Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. And I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. We are proudly brought to you in association with SA Partners, a world-leading business transformation consultancy. SA Partners are a truly purposeful company focused on helping organisations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others and the planet. Welcome to episode 108 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have Lewis back on the show with us today to continue the conversation from episode 107. If you haven't already, please go back to this episode and listen in first. Today, we explore the Ferrari of project execution and how to really bring project management to another level within your organisation. So looking forward to the continued conversation with Lewis. Let's get to the episode. Lewis, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Brett. And I'm really happy to be with you. So Lewis, last week we were talking about some of the key aspects of project management and some of the challenges that organizations face and why. You know, went into many of the data and theories and studies that have been done, which provide a great framework for today's conversation where we talk further about project management. So mate, do you mind explaining more about the Ferrari and how you go about creating greater project management outcomes? Again, I want to get right now to what Goldratt came about with, which is the Ferrari, okay? Please because do. all he did was he, he he revealed, if you want to say, the Achilles heel of, of, of traditional project management that we shoot ourselves in the foot. So what he said is, hey, safety buffers is the answer, but how can we turn around to our advantage and even more so, the downside of safety buffers, even if they seem to make sense, is you understand that they're always going to be on the compromise of price, of cost, and also probably also on your on, on the on the actual scope of what's meant to be doing your project in terms of deliverables. Why? Because if you want to blow out, if you want to put in that pallet with safety buffers, that means you've got more hours of being billed to your client, internal or external. So it costs more. Number two, you know, because you're going to get yourself into a pickle that, you know, the management or the client, internal or external, saying, hey, you guys, you know, I, I didn't I didn't get you guys to sign up for taking so long. You know what? We're going to cut down on what we actually promised to do. You know, it's a trade-off. So even, even where the rare cases you're able to get the bloody thing in there, right, and, and I'm telling you right now, I'm telling statistically, actually, you hurt yourself uh, when you even do that because only less 30% actually are able to come in when you do that, um, is that is that that isn't the solution. So the gold up turns around and says, yes, but we will use the safety buffers. And that in a nutshell, it's very simple, although it's simple, but again, you have to understand, where I'll talk about later on, what the problems are in terms of implementation. Rather than having the individual safety buffers, of the various tasks, the solution is really based upon the fact that we're able to uh, take all the safety buffers out of the individual tasks, and then we put them at the end of the project. And we use that, if you want to say, as an insurance policy. In other words, we say, rather than have your individual buffers, we'll guarantee you as a project manager to the various task leaders if you're willing, willing, there's a whole way of how we induce them to be willing to do this. We'll get into that. 
You give up on your safety buffers. Now, statistically, I'm not going to go into all the details. When you give up on your safety buffers, depending right on the skewed, because all activities that are non-routine, including the project, have got they call, they've got a skewed probability distribution. I don't want to get too much in the statistics because, again, unless you're a real statistics guy, it's just sort of like, you know, you sort of think, oh, I remember those statistical courses, leave me alone. But, 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 but it's a skewed probability distribution function there. And what it means is if you have a skewed probability distribution function, it's not that you've got 50% left probability of coming on time. Because it's in a skewed form, you've set yourself up that you're probably on the individual task You've, got, you've only got a 60 to 70% probability of now to succeed. However, <laughs> the good news is the fact that you've now, on an individual level, you've only got a 60 or 70%, we say this is an insurance policy. In other words, it's true. You've got a 30 to 40% chance of not succeeding, but you're giving a safety net so that if any of you go over, you can actually, we'll actually be able to give you that additional time by, by us munching in to the project safety buffer. Now, again, without going all to the statistical details and explaining it to you, that's that particular safety buffer that you've got on the, on, on the whole project itself statistically gives you an incredibly strong um, uh, protection. There are two reasons. It's called the central limit theory and it's called the law of averaging out variations, which I'm not going to go into it. But again, if anyone's really interested, I've got a whole paper which I wrote for one of the best universities, industrial engineers, universities in Israel, which has got a world reputation called the Technion or the, or the Technion. That's how you pronounce it. There's a whole publication I did on that. But it does that. It's an amazing thing. But the other thing is you say, OK, that's great. Now we understand statistically what we can do. Now, once you understand here, what you've done here is not only statistically protected yourself because you're aggregating you're aggregating all those safety buffers together. And what that does automatically, statistically, it allows you a lot more protection. Because not everyone needs to have that protection. Only some need the protection. So automatically what you've done is you've done that. Plus you've also been able to, if you want to say, uh, eliminate Parkinson's law. Because what is part of it is the cultural thing is you've got people, you're saying to people, hey, guess what? Tell me how much time you normally need, Okay. You know, what would you need? And put your safety buffer in there. Put your safety buffer in. And then you turn around and say, now you've got exactly half that time. Hey, what are you talking about? <laughs> you told me, no, you've only got half, but I'm serious, okay? On the other hand, what that does is, number one, believe you me, if I've just now told you, I've just I've told you right now, uh, Brad, that you wanted three weeks, although it's only three days of net time, all right, we've got a lot of things going on, guess what? You've got a week and a half, not three weeks. A week and a half? I'm starting tonight, even though I'm bloody tired. You're going to get into this thing straight away. So yeah. number one, we've already neutralized the Parkinson's effect. We've got all the additional fact that we're able to have an aggregate project buffer. So then Goldratt took it one step further because what we've done is we've got now the safety buffer actually in our favor. But how do we actually still now reduce the time of the project? which automatically, because the, the project now includes the project safety buffer. Understand, you've added on that on, onto it. So how do we go back again and reduce the actual time of the project without mitigating the actual, uh, the deliverable, deliverables? And at the same time, we have to make sure now that we're not just throwing more and more resources. The fact that we're actually 
putting in right now. We want to what do is want to actually now reduce the amount of time we're investing into. We want to go back. That's the interesting thing because it turns out here that I can take this huge safety buffer, which is the aggregate of everyone else's safety buffer, and then I halve it. And so now the project is actually, if you want to say, if you just do the mathematics of it, okay, I call it the half-half rule. That's my own, that's my terminology. You won't find that term in the traditional classical TOC uh, terminology of critical chain. Again, I've taken critical chain and added on a couple of things onto it, a lot of other good practices, and I've even used my own terminology. The half-half rule is, hey, give me, every task manager, give me your task. Hey, I cut it in half, great. I've taken now all your safety buffers, which I've taken your time and I've divided into half. I've put it at the end of the project. Now it's called this huge safety buffer. Guess what? I cut that into half. It's the half-half rule. And by cutting that into half, it absolutely has hardly any influence whatsoever on reducing the statistical probability of coming in on time. Without going into the details, but it's all got to do with the skew, where if you go into probability distribution, the, what you've done is we've got this skew where you've got this really long line, long tail, but there's very little area underneath the line itself. And that, that means is there's actually here very little statistics involved. So I can cut that tail in half, if you like to say, and it hardly has any effect statistically on my project. That's That really is, if you want to say, I can go into more or areas that support that, but that's the essence of the solution. And it's an amazing result, but it has huge implementation problems, but an amazing result. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine, Lewis, that, you know, it, it's an amazing technique and Parkinson's law, I've heard of that before. And it's a, it, it's amazing the solution that was come up with there to basically take all those buffers, get rid of the buffers, put them at the end of the project, then halve it because of that, you know, the, the distribution that comes through there. But Lewis, with, with implementing it and making it work, what are some tips that you can give to people for actually making it work? So I want to tell you right now what's the problem and then how to get over it. The only, out of all the implementations of TOC, where I've taken the constraint uh, innovation, the only one that is really difficult to implement is the critical chain. Um, not because of the logic. The logic is so simple, just like everything else. But it's got to do with the psychology or the human factor. The, uh, it, when, when we have that last talk, that whole podcast that we did, you know, it just made sense. And I told you also, basically, when hear it, but people understand it, they really go for it. They just, it just you know, senior management, they just, they'll, they'll go onto it and middle management and people on the shop floor and, you know, they understand it, no problem. Here, it's a different issue. I'll tell you why. Number one, it's a question of getting people to convince themselves to give up on their individual safety buffers. That's That in itself is an issue. And it's not because they don't understand what I'm talking about, is they say to themselves, what happens if there's a bludger in the group? Let's say there's a guy who's going to take advantage of us. Because what you've said on one hand is everyone gets half their time, they're under pressure, but it's an insurance policy because the fact you've given up your half your time means, hey, no matter what happens, we guarantee you we're not going to get angry at you if you go over time because we know that we've already set you up, that you've got a 40 to 30% chance of not being able to come in on time, right? 
So we're not going to be angry at you about this. We understand. It's just the law, if you want to say. It's just that Murphy's having a go at you, right? So you've got that. So what happens if you've got this bugger who goes and says, hey, this is fantastic. I've got all this extra, I've, I've, you know, even though I've got half the time, but they've told me I can go down to, you know, down to, let's say, the Brisbane River and have a walk along those wonderful paths, all those mud groves there in the afternoon that I never have time to do, and then go basically, and when, and, and when I don't finish my task on time, I go, oh, yes, you know, Murphy hit me. And then he mucks up the rest of the people in the project, and all these other poor buggers in the project are doing their very best. That's one major obstacle. So number one, I want to tell you, that's one obstacle. The other major obstacle is senior management. If senior management doesn't understand and don't fully understand, haven't taken the time to understand what we're talking about, guess what's going to happen? The project manager is going to present this timetable to senior management and says, look, here's our project. And it is three quarters of the time, that because of the half-half rule, it comes out 75% of what the normal project would have been with the safety buffers built into it. Because basically, don't forget, I've halved also the safety buffers of everyone that's been aggregated. So you've got a project now that's 75%. Senior management looks at that. They haven't been educated well in the center. Go, hey, this is fantastic. Tell me, what is that big thing at the end called the project safety buffer? <laughs> that's part of the project, okay? It doesn't actually have a task, any tasks in it. He says, no, 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 no. That's the safety buffer we're giving everyone. That's their insurance policy. Senior management says, Oh, ho, ho. that's their insurance policy. That's great. You guys for years have been hiding from us your safety buffers. We knew that you had safety buffers built in there, but we could never actually see them. We can actually never identify them. They were hidden in your various tasks. Now you've given me this safety buffer like a head on a platter, and I'm just going to whisk it away, right? And there's no more any safety buffer in there. Now, the moment that happens is that project this is the other thing statistically the probability of the project coming in on time with the with the scope and the budget when i've taken out that safety buffer is probably a higher probability than you winning brad the australian national lottery three times running in a row now does that mean yeah. theoretically you couldn't run win the lottery three times in a row of course you could of course you could, but the chances are, you know, <laughs> I don't have to say, nickel, you know, dot zero, 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 go around your room a couple of times with numbers of zero, 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 okay, and do it only until the size of a front of, you know, a computer front of eight, and you still haven't got to the probability it's going to be. Of course it exists, but it doesn't, it's never going to happen, right? So they're the two major problems. Now, understand what that does also with the senior management. It now has a rippling effect on your project team because even if you'd convince them to give up on the safety buffers, even with the bugger in there, even with this guy who's really, you know, really playing the system, right, which I'll talk about what we do there, guess what's going to happen next time that they you turn around to your, your team leaders for the next project, which obviously you understand the project that they just did where the safety buffer Project safety buffer was taken away. You know, they failed miserably. Obviously, they failed miserably. So next time you turn around to them and say, oh, yes, I understand. It was a problem. But I've got back and I've convinced management. They understand we got to keep it. When you ask them next time to give you their estimates of their various tasks and you say, put in your safety buffers, put in your safety buffers. So I'm going to take, I'm going to halve it. They're going to have a safety project buffer and they're going to halve that. Everything's honky-doing. 
guess what times you're going to be getting, Brad? They're going to tell you, if they told you on a similar activities in the past, that was meant to take, for example, let's say an activity was meant to take two weeks with the safety buffer built in. Hey, guess what? That now activity takes four weeks, no longer yeah. two weeks. Because what that does is when they go back and you say, are you sure it has to take four weeks? Last time you told them it was two weeks. I said, yeah, but everything's changed. When you go and do the whole thing of the half-half rule, they go back exactly to where they were originally, and then Parkinson's law fits in and the whole problem. So they're the two major problems, if you want to say. And the last one, the senior management, has a rippling effect, which goes back against to the team leaders. So the question is, how do we overcome that? Do you want to know? Yeah, What's that'd the be tip? great. It, it, okay. it sounds like two big challenges oh, to overcome. Okay. The, the first one is really got to do with KPIs. And this is where my military training probably kicks in, okay? To be a manager doesn't mean you have to be, being a manager means getting results. And at times it's difficult. You know, you under the ball, you have to be sometimes very difficult when it comes to, you have to sometimes be really hard with people to get results. So what we do is the following. And this sounds, this sounds really tough, but it works. And there are very few casualties that come out of it, okay? That's one of the good thing. You're going to say to your team, listen, all of you are going to be rewarded or punished. There's two sides of the coin. According to the project coming in on time as a project, and we're talking, of course, adding on, the safety buffer of the project. In other words, a good project that's managed, I always know it's being managed well if it actually eats up all of its safety buffer of the project. That's that's absolutely a way of me knowing that the project has actually been planned well and managed well. And that's a whole thing in itself. But that absolutely is in, in there. Hey, but guess what? If the project goes over, runs over, so number one, if it comes at a time, all of you get a medal. Even all those guys that weren't able to have the individual tasks coming on time. Now, don't forget that over half of the individual tasks aren't going over half, are not going to come in on time, even if they're doing the very best, because we've already set them up where we've taken out the safety buffers. So they've obviously eating up the, 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 the project safety buffer. And that's understandable. So everyone gets, everyone gets a medal. Everyone gets a medal, if you want to say. Then what happens? if it doesn't come on time. Also the guys who did a fantastic job on their individual tasks, they get lined up against the wall with the firing squad pointing at them with the same old buggers also with all the others that didn't come in on time. And say, hey, 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 this sounds pretty rough. Yeah. But what that does is it avoids having to use the firing squad because what that does is it puts tremendous pressure team pressure on every on all the various team leaders so that bugger who goes off to the mangrove the mangrove swamps of you know of coronation drive or down the brisbane river right yeah. and basically you know has a wonderful day in the afternoon you know reading philosophy rather than working on his project guess what he's going to get a real hard time because people know what people are doing people are not stupid People understand what's happening with other people in their project. People know when people are not being able to succeed 
on the time that they're giving, and there's totally legitimate reasons. Of course, there's Murphy. And then those that are simply a bludging, right? So it creates tremendous pressure. And the other thing is it does, it also creates a situation where, you know, even if that person has, you know, the skin of a rhinoceros and he doesn't care less, he says, I couldn't care less, I've got my insurance policy, guess what? People are going to go ahead with that project without him. They'll find ways, people are incredibly creative, particularly in a project environment, particularly in a non-routine environment, of being able to circumvent that person so that it's true. At the end of the project, that guy who bludged off, he gets the same medal as everyone else, which you can say, yeah. But really, even though he gets the same medal, the next project, no one wants to work with him. No. And even if there's no choice, like in the Air Force, we don't get to choose who our team leaders are. But in the end, we know are the ones that have taken advantage of it. And even though officially they're still in the project, they're not really part of the project. And it always comes back if you want to say they pay the price in terms of promotion, in terms of getting interesting assignments afterwards. I mean, in the Air Force, you know, you have to be a criminal in order to be sacked. <laughs> so you, you're still kept on. You're still kept on. But rather than doing all the interesting jobs, you're putting on the, you're having to screw on all, put all the screws onto the wheels of the plane, so yeah. to speak. You know, so, so sure. So, so that's number one. It's got to do with the KPIs. That's number one. That's the way we get around it. And that is a tremendously, and it works. So in the, the bottom line is there are very few cases where people actually have put against the firing, you know, against the wall with the firing squad, right? I'm obviously using that in a very, you know, in a, in a very uh, colourful scenario. But 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 that's number one, and it really is able to get out of the system if people don't take advantage of the system. And it's a wonderful way of doing it. And by the way, it also creates a situation where we understand why people you know, don't succeed in their individual tasks, and that's perfectly all right, you know. I often use the analogy of that scene out of Private Ryan. You probably saw that movie Saving, Saving Private yeah. Ryan, you know, with yeah. Tom Hanks. That scene of them landing on the beach of Omaha was an amazing scene. Now, you look at that flight, you know, you know that, that whole landing on, on Omaha Beach was a project, okay. They did wonderful planning. I mean, they, they, they brought in the troops with the best amount of equipment, of training. They did the most wonderful intel. In other words, this project had been designed to the nth degree. There's nothing better. However, if you want to talk about Murphy, I mean, just look at that movie of what happened when they landed on the beach. People were being blown to pieces, one, you know, all over the bloody place. All right. Yeah. And you had all these, you got these nasty Nazis up there on, on the hills, you know, spraying them with their machine guns. Now, there, this is how we, in fact, when I do project management using the Ferrari, I show that opening scene during my training because I say to them, look what's happening here. All these guys running on the beach, doing their best. They're the motivation. They're motivated. Believe me, I don't have to motivate these guys to get off the beach to that sand dune. They're very motivated, believe you <laughs> me. So that's the way we talk about our project team. They're really motivated. But as motivated as you are, you saw all these guys who got blown to pieces. And the only reason why they got blown to pieces was the one reason. They're unlucky. And the yeah. ones that are able to get to the sand dune without a scratch, like Tom Hanks, he was just bloody lucky. There was nothing else that divided between his mate. If you remember, his mate who got blown to pieces and him, Tom Hanks, was yeah. only luck. But the difference is here with the half-half rule. And that's the amazing thing. 
that even though half of you are going to get blown to pieces, so to speak, on the beach, what we do is we guarantee, if you want to say, reincarnation, where every single person who gets wounded or blown to pieces, we get to put them back together again and bring them off the beach to that sand dune. And guess what? They don't even remember the pain and the episode of being blown to pieces. So it's a wonderful scenario. So not only you get back, put the back, the back, put the back together, you don't ever have that bad memory of what happened to you on the beach itself. So that's the reason, that's the way we are treating the individuals. That's them. Yeah. The senior management, there's no, there's absolutely no shortcuts. There's no rabbit that you pull out of the box. This is an area the senior management has to be involved in where they don't only just understand it theoretically, they have to sit in on the reviews of that project. Now, I can tell you right now it isn't that difficult because one of if anyone knows 101 on project management knows that the reason why projects also become difficult for organisations, now forget about the whole the Ferrari, is that in order for projects to have a chance of succeeding, Senior management nearly always has to get involved, not in doing the work, but if you want to say overlooking the project with regular meetings, etc., as opposed to routine activities. It's not like in routine activities, senior management never looks what's going on. But the frequency of senior management being involved in routine activities is far less than in a project environment. And also the time of their involvement, not just the frequency, but when they actually do meet, right? is far greater when they're in looking at the individual project than they are in their overall activities that are going in the company. That's the downside of project management, the reason why it's always, if you want to say, very heavy on senior management. And that's one of the reasons why they like, say, I know we have to do it, but, geez, I was enjoying all that, just thinking about strategy sitting yeah. in my jacuzzi all day, and now all of a sudden I've got to be in the boardroom dealing with all these bloody projects. So it's true. So what we do is we say, yeah, the difference is we'll give you also now that overlay of the Ferrari, so you understand how to do this a lot better. And by the way, when they are doing it, I'm not going to get into it, but TOC has an amazingly simple way of monitoring the project. And I can tell you just in a, in, in a, in, in a shortcut. Please. The please. whole monitoring of the project is so much more effective and efficient because you only monitor one thing. You don't monitor individual tasks all over the place. You only monitor one single thing. What is the rate of consumption of my safety buffer, which is the project safety buffer. It tells you everything. You've got one buffer that tells you anything, everything. By the way, if you notice, you know this, Brad. This is not everyone knows this, but people who very know TOC know what they call drum buffer rope, that whole implementation of drum buffer rope, yeah. which is actually an operations area. And the way you monitor any shop floor is the consumption rate of your buffer, and it tells you everything. Hey, guess what? It's the same thing with the project. Exactly the same thing. Yeah. We're so lucky to have Lewis Trigger presenting live to the Enterprise Excellence Community in September 2022. If you're interested in attending, please go to the enterpriseexcellencecommunity.com backslash contact to reach out. Mention you heard about us through this podcast and we'll get you a free pass. Lewis Trigger will also be in Australia throughout September and October providing free live webinars, workshops, and other events. If you're interested in getting Lewis along, finding out more about what he does, please reach out to us at the Enterprise Excellence Podcast or directly to Lewis Trigger via LinkedIn. 
Subscribe and share and like this podcast to help others gain insights and create a better future. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, that's neat. In a way, you know, Lewis, I've seen that done so much with uh, burn down type, you know, burn down that shows the consumption of that buffer and it just works brilliantly as you Absolutely. As you there it. you are. So, so you see there the same idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Lewis, so what do you find most stops organizations taking this step and improving project execution, which is so critical to get us from where we are now to where we want to be? You know, to get from here to there takes project execution. But okay. what stops organizations putting effort into this critical thing? So let's talk about it at two levels. Let's talk about one-on-one project management because I want to say right now, you cannot out on the Ferrari if you don't know how to drive. I mean, I won't give, I would never give, I wouldn't give someone who's just basically just got his, you know, just just got his P plates. I don't know if they have them still in Brisbane. They used to have them in my yeah. old days. Do you still yeah. have P plates in yeah. Brisbane? Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Some things never change. I'm glad about that. Junior okay. drivers. So, <laughs> I got my P plates when I was back at 18. It's now three but, years, not one year. Oh, though. even better. Not one year. I had, we only had one year probation. Okay. Now it's three years. We're certainly not going to give. Uh, a Ferrari to someone who just got their P plates or probably even if they've had their P plates for half a year because, you know, the chances of them having an accident when you've got a Ferrari is far greater than having that, you know, that that, that second, you know, that if you want to say that, you know, that, that secondhand, you know, old, you know, if you want to say Toyota Corolla, you know, that, 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 that you know, that, that, that their mum gave them. And so now what I'm saying here is that clearly you need to have the basics of project management. In other words, I always say this, when I've done training um, with a lot of organisations, particularly in the Israeli military, we do the Ferrari training of the critical chain only after they've been trained and plus they've got experience with basic project management. They need to have that. That's number one. And and it's, it's a process, I'm telling you right now. The good news is that a lot of companies that are well-founded companies they have the experience, even though they don't necessarily have ever had the formal training. They've just come across, they've got the experience from trial and error, like the, like the electrician. <laughs> They've been burnt enough times, they know not what they know what they shouldn't be doing. Okay. So that's great. So to get them, you know, the training and the, the, the if you want to say the basics, very easy because it's really what it does, it just simply goes through some training. And, and we do the training, we actually take the real projects themselves, projects they've either worked or they're actually working on right now. And it's a refresher course. And what it does just focuses them saying, hey, all these things, I never knew there were names for these things called concurrent engineering. I didn't know. Oh, that risk management? Yeah, we didn't know that that, 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 that we were doing this all the time. We just know that's what it was called. All right. So sure. So we do that. that that's a very important part. The most difficult thing, even for that, when I'm talking about the basics, is and this is the extra part that I give them, it's almost like a paradox. The methodology of project management 101 has to become routine. Now, I've just said the project environment is non-routine. True, the project's non-routine, but the methodology has to be routine. That's the big difference. So what do I mean by routine? In other words, if you're a project manager, you have to have in your schedule every week where you've got a set day, a set time, where you sit with your project team on your project every week for a set hour. It's not something that, you know, you say randomly, we'll talk about when we have problems. No, you actually want to make sure you don't, you want to have this, number one, you will have problems. Number two, you want to make sure that you want to be able to 
get in front of those problems. That's like a routine type of activity you have that's built in there. So that's just one example. I don't want to go through it all, but there is a set of routine activities that go into every project that repeat themselves and are built in. It's a template. In fact, that's what I've done. I, I, and when I do project training, um, you know, uh, particularly in Israel, because when I come out to Australia, I go into areas where people, you know, where I've got a real, you want to say, competitive advantage. There aren't a lot of people that have got the expertise that I've got in the Australian market when I start thinking about TOC. There are, but there aren't a lot. There are a lot of people involved in project management in Australia. I'm happy to teach project management, but, you know, this is something which is outstanding in terms of 101 project management. Critical chain, yes, and I do the critical chain in Australia. But that's something that anyone who's taught or anyone's implemented, you need to have not only the basics, but you have to have it implemented in terms of a template. It repeats itself every time. So, so that's that's number number one. Number two is that after that's in there, then you lay on. You have to lay on that the critical chain, and the critical chain. I got to tell you right now, um, it's almost like I want to say I'm, I'm saying it almost in, in 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 very crude forms, but it's almost like going into an educational camp. I say educational camp in North Korea. <laughs> yeah. so it's like you know you have to sing you got to sing 10 times a day the praise of the leader of south korea of north korea that fat yeah. little kid who was the kid of the of the other guy i forgot his name i can never remember his name never pronounce it but he's a very unpleasant character okay <laughs> you know who i'm talking about kim cam sam or something yeah. like that i don't know anyway i don't mind i don't mind bad mouthing him he's one of the people we should ban now okay so 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 this so it's almost like indoctrination because what it means is that when we do the training right it's very we, we actually do take a real project that hasn't been using it obviously because we're doing it and we start applying it on it but it's like really intensive like constantly saying the half half rule we say the half half rule right and 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 we and we, and we constantly and, and that picture of landing on you know omaha beach believe you me it really i mean if you've never been in combat you know it really it gives you the closest thing of going through combat by mm. watching that scene if you can do it on a real big screen even better right you know yeah. so so yeah so that is a big part of it in terms of if you want to say almost indoctrination in terms of people really believing although the logic's there but really believing that it's going to work for me really saying you're going to, I'm going I'm paying for this insurance policy by giving up so they're the elements and what there because again you've got to remember we're dealing here with two huge barriers we're dealing with the natural barrier to doing just good project management for all the reasons we've said it's really heavy on top management in fact it's heavy to management on all levels the beauty of routine activities is the management side of it the management side is constantly repeated and so it's easy to do okay easy you know relative easy to do even though there's murphy but murphy's been taken out you know, we know we know how to do it you know every year a company you know for example has to put together a budget for next year that's not a that is not a that is not a project it's not a project because it's a routine activity. It's true. The first time that company had to think about how they put a budget together, right? The first time that happened, it was a project and probably it wasn't treated like a project and it was a whole muck up. And until they actually repeated the activity three or four years in a row, they got it right. 
And yep. now it was fine. So they didn't handle it as a project. They should have handled it as a project. And now they've got it right through trial and error, okay, if they still survive the first three or four years. But but after that, it's just routine. So you've got all that area of, you know, project management itself is, is difficult because of that. Then you lay onto that, the Ferrari. But the returns are tremendous, Brad. I mean, I again, I can show you just in terms of return of investment, of, of time, at all levels of management, the return on investment is amazing because it gives you a competitive advantage that few have got in the marketplace. Those companies that really got have been really been able to get their head around this, it's amazing how they've been able to basically become leaders in terms of in terms of you know in terms of what they're doing because of that management style. Yes. Please, I, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm oh not no, it's get good, a, Lewis. I'm getting two, two, two words in. <laughs> but I love, but I love it, mate. With it, you know, get the get the foundations of project management right, and then basically, you know, treat projects, understand what a project's a non-routine, have the mechanism, you know, have the process there for it, but ultimately then understand the half-half, and start to shift that buffer to the back end and track the buffer by having really good senior leadership buy-in and understanding ah. with then also creating that nice team motivation with the carrot and the stick element to it. It's beautiful, mate. Simple Brad, what but you difficult. what you've proven to me, you've been able to, and we haven't had this conversation before that I was listening, you can basically replace me. You've said exactly everything I've said basically in the last three quarters of an hour, you said in three minutes, but it's exactly that. It's Thanks, exactly Liz. that. Well, mate, You've been it's, able to get to really, but it's the, the way it's the enjoyment. It. It's the enjoyment of the conversation, mate. Like I think I don't know anyone who can express things with more imagery and energy than yourself, mate. I think uh, <laughs> I get feedback on that that I've got some energy, but mate, I think you you take you, you beat me hands down. I won't even try to compete. But Lewis, on on um your enterprise excellence two minute tip on this topic, like what would be that tip? to all these companies out there at the moment that are trying to get somewhere else but just really struggling with project management? Fantastic. Great question. And just to be fair to the viewers, I was given, we never had the conversation before, but I was given the questions ahead of time. Just this is out of fair. So I pondered on that question last night when I was looking at this, okay, because now it's early in the morning in Israel time. <laughs> it's evening time in Brisbane, but it's uh, it's early in the morning over here. And I said to myself, you know what? In fact, it goes back to, if you want to say, the main message that I give out when I talk about constraint innovation in any area, including, obviously, the critical chain and project management, but also in all the other areas that we get involved in, including the whole routine activities, including how you do scheduling issues. I mean, the whole the whole host of them. It all comes back to the same takeaway or message that, that I give over. And it comes out to one sentence. How can we basically do a lot more of the right stuff with what we've got? What does it mean by what we've got? What we've got is the people in the organization. Our most valuable asset to nearly every organization, and it's not just a cliche, are the people. And it's amazing how times we don't recognize that because what we, you know, when we talk about retrenching people, 
you know, and you look at the equipment and you look at the people and you say, God forbid, I'll never sell the equipment, even though the equipment's going to stay idle for the next year, right? That I'll never get rid of. I paid all that bloody money for the whole thing, right? I'm not going to get anything for it if I do try it. Oh, but people we can get rid of real quickly. You know, when you get rid of the people, the amount of, you know, investment you just show thrown away and then you have to get, and then eventually when things are getting really good, you have to bring someone else in because the person you get rid of is never going to come back and work for you. Right? <laughs> so, so, so what I'm saying here is that the knowledge exists and and I don't have to, when I go into, even to the most complicated project, like Olympic Dam, I mean, I don't know, I don't know anything about underground mining. I don't know anything about open cut mining. I don't know anything. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I go into one of those mines. I've, I've never come out of the thing, right? You know, that's for sure. I'd get lost in there, and then that's the end of the, that's the end of me. Right? <laughs> I know nothing about it. And 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 quite frankly, I do know not a lot about management. But those people, they know two things. That they know, then they understand the engineering technical side fantastically. But they've got really good intuition. They've got really good common sense. It's just a question of directing it and focusing it. It's as simple as that. And so, you know, once I'm able to, as I said, obviously the, the tips that I gave when I talk about the KPIs and the senior management, but once you get that into that mindset of those people, oh, they latch on to it and they develop it. And areas which, by the way, you know, even when I give them the tips, They'll always adapt it to their environment, to their people, to their culture. And, 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 and I've seen them, you know, I can see what work, how they've done it in one place. They've done, it, they've done it in a different form in another place based on the same thinking, but they've adapted it. And I'm always blown away. So, hey, that's, that's, yeah, that, is, that actually is a far better way of what I would thinking of doing it because I, give, I just give you the broad strokes. But the way you actually are able to fill it in and the details and show how, it be, how those broad strokes should be put on the canvas comes out a far more beautiful picture than I would have thought about, okay? And so, again, it's there. That's the good news. And that's, I guess, is really the optimistic side, which I get so much um, pleasure when I get involved with organisations because I see that it's just a question of, you know, you know, the light bulbs are there, the electricity is there, and, 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 and I don't even turn on the switch. They turn on the switches. They turn on the switch, not me, okay? And it's not like there was darkness before, but we just are able to be able to get that light glowing even stronger yeah. in, in the organisation. So, yes, that's, that's really what it is. Yeah, it's basically using the systematic way to just improve on what they've already got and help them go to another level and get, that, get out of the wheels spinning and get those yep. wheels taking yep. grip and moving forward. Yeah, it's such a, it's, such a it's, powerful thing. It's what I always say, Brad, the additional way of thinking. I never, you know, I never re, I'll never go away from training or implementations and say, hey, I look, guys, throw away everything you've done. I've come in, I'm the new, I'm the new, I'm, I'm your new guru. I'll tell you how it's done. Number one, I find that just just to come in and to say that to an organization, particular organization which is surviving under very difficult conditions or doing very well in many, many cases. I mean, it's just preposterous to come in and to say something like that. But it's not true either. It's just not true. They've got it. They've got it. It's just a question of getting the additional, that additional level. Yeah, yeah, too true, too true. Mate, what's been a recent insight for you? Like what's been a recent learning you've had, Lewis? <laughs> Good one, okay. Uh, the insight for me of, you're talking in general, in the general period yep. or from this area? Yeah, recent okay. insight, mate, a recent learning you've had. Okay. I've had a couple of recent 
insights from all of this, quite frankly. Um, number one, I'll tell you uh, an interesting side of constraints. Um, the whole period of COVID-19 made me realise that there are the unusual cases where a constraint is negative rather than positive because generally we talk about our constraints as being our most as being our best resources our herb is being our best people and so you come across a constraint you know you should be you should i often i use that uh, you often use like if a slogan love your constraints so to speak okay and 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 it's not that i i don't still love my i don't say i love most of my constraints but 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 the COVID taught me something that you can sometimes come across constraints that are really negative. However, the solution is the same solution, if you like. And, and I say this about COVID-19 because if you look at the very big picture, if you want to say, the big, big picture of the world, okay, and you say, okay, you remember constraint innovation based on TSC is, number one, you have to understand what the goal is. And the goal always has to be infinite, Okay. And so it's ongoing. So let's take COVID-19. COVID-19 was a constraint to mankind. I'm not talking about a big picture. To mankind, to most of the world in the last two and a half years, because it really stopped us from getting to a lot of our, to put this, a lot of our common goals. Now, there are three, I can say that in humanity, I have identified that if you want to say three, four, if you like to say, infinite goals. There's probably more, but four infinite goals that there is that there's real consensus about. One is we want to have physical health. That's a goal that we all want, and we want to be as healthy as possible. It's definitely infinite, number one. Number two, we want to have mental health. I don't exactly, it's your soul. We want to have mental health, and we want to have as much as possible. We want to have economic security. I'm not saying to be the billionaire, but we want to have economic security. That's very clear. And the other one, the big one, which if I allowed, you know, allow enough time, I'm sure you'd get onto it, but you want to, we want to cut to the chase, is of course love. We all need love. Mm. We all want love. We want to have as much as we can. It's clear. Now, COVID-19 clearly negatively impacted certainly the first three. By the way, I've also heard of a lot of families that got divorced because the yeah. husband wasn't going off to work. Yeah. Too true. <laughs> so the love, the love suddenly disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> so there have been those cases. But I want to talk primarily about the first three in particular, physical, men, physical health, mental health, and economic security. But the solution was the same solution because in the end, and that's actually a slide I often show um, in, in my training, what constraint innovation does is that the solution always leads you to being able to focus on those critical resources that will get you that much closer to your infinite goal. So take the world of COVID-19 very clearly in the in, in, around the world, health authorities understood, and Israel, we were on the ball very quickly about that, was that by having our specialised health teams in the hospitals, in medical in medical clinics, all over the place, being able to basically develop them well, to be able to manage them well, um, to, to deploy them well, if you want to use the military terms, right, was critical to be able to get the upper side of COVID-19. Of course, now we're living with COVID-19, and there are still places in the world where, again, we still find that the, 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 the critical resource is the medical teams, although now 
the medical teams basically the amount of COVID is hurting us is we don't have to. They're not the they're, you know every resource is critical, but they're not the the herbie. What is now, if you want to say, uh, from time to time becoming a herbie, certainly around the world, is the vaccine. In other words, the vaccine is our critical resource, right? We use Pfizer over here. We're, we're all happy. We, we were their major laboratory, Pfizer around the world. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they use this as their major laboratory and they publish, publish the results all over the place. That's fine. We're happy to do that with them. Um, but that's it. So that, that was a major insight I got out of, uh, out of, out of, out of if you want to say, um, from my last two and a half years or so. I, I understood this basically about after a year or so. So I don't know if I even spoke about the, the, the last, the last uh, podcast that we did. Uh, I don't think we did talk about that because um, I was in the early days of, of COVID-19. Um, yeah. The other major aspect is also the area of Zoom. Um, I find that, again, here, um, how can we actually, again, and this is what I take in the positive way, how can we take the constraint, the constraint being here that we're, you've got, for example, the idea, you look at workshops, implementations, um getting together with management teams. We've always got the, the physical barrier, different areas around the world. We're talking about internationally and also the time factor. Hey, this again, we now see again the amazing area of project management, which is based on innovation, which again, the whole area of project management all came out of technical innovation. Of course, it goes up past that. means, And that's also the world. I mean, even just take something as simple as the Zoom application that we're using today. I mean, you look at what was going on in terms of being able to get together, you know, and have to. In the old days, the most advanced thing we had, if we went back like three years ago, was getting online with Skype, okay? That was about the closest thing we had. I mean, no one does that even anymore. And, and you're not going to have an implementation through Skype. What are you talking about? I mean, so again, you see the amazing thing here that we saw from the constraint, how it leads you again and, 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 and here, and we saw that physical distribution, that, that area, and we can actually make it into an advantage in many ways. And that's what we're doing. By the way, I, I, I predict already, uh, Brad, and it's already happening, the, the, there are still obstacles when you're using Zoom because you can't have that sense of you being really in front of me. They've already started to develop. Um, in, 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 in fact, you've seen developments also already in the high-tech world where you have holograms where all of a sudden you will appear in front of me physically. I mean, it's not you physically, but there's the image of you as a hologram in front of me and which it's true. I won't get the smell or the physical touch, but I will get that visual, that visual uh, experience, which is even more than that question of, 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 of what we have. And we're already there, by the way. I reckon by, I, you know, if I'm going to be, hopefully I'll be around for a few more years, I reckon it won't be long. I reckon already exists the technology. It's just not commercially uh, commercially viable right now to buy it. But I think that within the next five, certainly 10 years, that's going to be standard. You know, so, so you remember the old days when we had those Zoom sessions? Oh, yeah, yeah I forgot about those, you know. Yeah. And, and and that's where it's going to be. And, and, and of course, you know what's waiting down the line is from the old days of uh, Sky Wars, I think it was. Remember you had that guy with that, the- um, Star Trek. What was that? that? Star Trek. Beam, exactly, beam the guy up, with the ears. Scotty. Exactly, and then yeah, they we'll have and they'd be transferred. We'll get there. Then I'll zap. I'll be there, and I'll be physically there. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get there, mate. It's it's where we're inching our way there, one step at a time. 
Although but COVID... it will be fruit. It will be fruit. It'll only come about if they're using good project methodology in the yes, end. Yes, <laughs> true. Project methodology that allows you to drive the Ferrari helps you get from here to there faster. Without it, you're typically spinning your wheels. It's it's unfortunately the way it goes. Lewis, I, I really right. appreciate your knowledge and time and creating such an amazing podcast with us like you did last time. And mate, thanks for everything you have done and will do. And I understand, I always ask how people can reach out to you, but I understand too, Lewis, throughout September and October, you're actually going to be in Australia. So I'd be really keen to be able to let listeners know how they can connect with you to learn more, especially with you being in the country, which is such a great opportunity. Thanks a lot, Brad, for that. Yeah, look, it's really easy. Number one, you know, my name, as you've written, written here, Lewis Trigger, right? Uh, number one, I've got a website, which, you know, I mean, I, I could improve it more, I guess. And, 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 and but, it, but the good thing about the website, you can contact me directly through the website. You can leave a message and it comes up to me automatically. That's number one. Number two, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Again, you just do a, you just search on LinkedIn, Lewis Trigger, this name. And it'll come up. If there does happen to be another Livers News trigger in the world, there's not another one in Israel. I promise you, I'm the only yeah. one. <laughs> and if there is one who's got a similar name, it's in Hebrew. So yeah, there's no problem, right? So it's really easy. I, as you said, look, I've got a pretty full schedule um, that I'm going to be here. Um, in fact, Brad and I, we're doing things together. Brad knows we're actually doing some work together when I'm going to be doing face to face, which is fantastic. Um, and and but. I'll be more than happy to get together, even just have a meeting. I mean, over a over a glass over a, over a glass of beer. I'm more yes. than happy to do that, just to have a meeting to discuss a little bit more. And again, if any of your viewers want to even pop through, I mean, you'll get my email through my website and through my LinkedIn. You want to send me a message about something? I'm more than happy. I mean, I'm not I'm not like one of these lawyers that charge you by the minute. Don't worry. <laughs> You can say, by the way, if it ends up being a couple of hours, I will start charging you. But, you know, a quick question here, a question there. There's absolutely no problem. And best of best, I'm in Australia. Absolutely. I'm going to be giving a number of public workshops when I'm in Australia that, again, if anyone wants details about it, because they're in different parts of Australia, I give it over. Um, and, of course, you know, if you obviously the best is internal, but we can we can start that discussion if you like. Well, it's such a great opportunity um, for Australian businesses and people. So um, I'm sure there'll be people take you up on it. And yeah, Lewis, funny enough, you and I'll be connecting on a connection to the strike fighter, as we call it in Australia. So we've got a direct connection back to a project management piece you're talking about. So it's it's all exciting stuff. Lewis, thank you so much for your time and for everything you're doing, mate. And um, I look forward to catching up with you for a beer when you're in Australia. So thanks for helping Absolutely, us, Brad. That's a guaranteed, mate. Absolutely sure. guaranteed. We'll go down to the Lovely. Breakfast Creek Hotel down by the Brisbane River and Bludge. Oh, nothing better. My old, my old uni days. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Sounds good, Lewis. Thanks, mate. Great, Brad. Thank you. We'll catch up again soon. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. We are so lucky to have Lewis Trigger presenting live to the Enterprise Excellence Community in September 2022. If you're interested in attending, please go to enterpriseexcellencecommunity.com backslash contact to reach out. Mention you heard about this event through the podcast and we'll get you a free pass. Lewis Trigger, as I mentioned previously, is also out in Australia throughout September and part of October, running events, workshops and supporting organisations. If you're keen to connect with Lewis for this period, please reach out to us at enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com or Lewis Trigger directly through LinkedIn. There were two key takeaways for me from this episode. The first is a student syndrome and Parkinson's law. Most of us can reflect on this syndrome ourselves, 
I know I can. It is a logical and totally understandable way that things occur when you think about it. The approach of moving the buffer to the back of the project, coupled with the half-half approach, really helps remove the syndrome and increase project performance. The key, as Lewis mentioned, is that there is an existing project management system or approach that the team are competent in. Trying to become a Ferrari instantly from ground zero is dangerous. The second key takeaway for me is about creating team-based outcomes. Teamwork is powerful. Everything I study and have experienced around high performance within organizations revolve around small teams that have a common purposeful vision, clear aspirational measures, both lead and lag, and a high level of trust and camaraderie. A small team of minds will always outperform an individual. It is crazy that our measures and systems often drive individualism. Creating measurement and approach, both positive or negative, that drives team outcomes will truly get brilliant results. Thanks again for your time and knowledge, Lewis. Thanks for helping us create a better future. Bye for now.